What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it's your boy, Negative Bruno. Kurt, ask me why I'm negative. Bruno, why are you negative? Kurt, usually uh, we're both positive guys, positive vibe only. But today I'm decidedly negative, And that is because I took a COVID test yesterday and the results came back today and I am negative. So I'm positive that I'm negative and I'm definitely negative, but I'm also positive because I'm a positive guy, but I'm negative but I'm positive that I'm negative. Well, every time you... <laughs> I had no idea where that was going. I'm very happy to hear you're negative, <laughs> but also positive at the same time. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm positively negative or negatively positive. You decide. Stay positive, test negative. That's what, that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Every time you do your little spiel at the beginning, my mind instantly turns into a blob. Yeah, I'm sure you're like preparing about what you're going to say after I say my stuff. You're going to want to segue all professionally into the topics. You're like, Bruno, just shut the fuck up and say whatever you got to say. And by the time I'm done talking, you're like, I don't even know what I'm going to say anymore. So, you know, we just that's the synergy we have We're built up as, uh, you know, two people on a pod doing positively negative things. Doing positively negative things. Okay. I, I respect it. Or negative Again, or negatively positive. I'm. We're going to let the audience decide. Do you, but do two positives make a negative? I don't know. I'm not, I'm also not a science guy. <laughs> Let me tell you, we're not math guys, but I hate science more than anything in the world. Yeah, we're not. Hey, Kurt, we're not STEM guys. How about that? Yeah, I'm one of those, and I'm I'm with the liberal arts people. Oh yeah, hey, I'm right there with you. Sport management, baby. Shout out. Shout out. High five. <laughs> high five, baby. We just high five to the camera. Oh, that was cute of us. Electric. electric. All right, but let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Bro. Oh, loved I honestly if you hadn't said that i was already thinking it. i might have just burst in so i'm glad you just took care of that that was excellent a plus kurt let's get down to business confirmed we're both mulan guys <laughs> that's true that's what we are not the new one not the live action new one oh, no, 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 no 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 og the og the og mulan yeah, yeah. all right you're gonna get <laughs> see this is a treat for you when you turn into a podcast no. you have no idea what you're gonna get you've got two minutes of positive and negatives and mulan yeah so. we didn't know that either so we're just we're just as surprised as you are <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Yeah. So we're going to start, Bruno. Obviously, this was uh, championship weekend. I yeah. don't know if there is a better day in the football world. You could argue the divisional round because there are more games. Right. But I don't know. With everything on the line, this this week and was just – it just reminds me of how exciting it is every single year. Yeah, so no, it's, it's awesome. And honestly, like you said, the divisional round, uh, more quantity but less quality – Obviously, the buildup to all, both of these games were absolutely incredible. And it's so great knowing that as the first game comes to a close, we have another championship game going on. So we're going to get into the first game. But hey, as we get into the first game, you know there's another game coming up. This is true. You're getting two for one special. Mm. So game one features the NFC. Yep. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Bruce Arians, and the Buccaneers head north. We're north. going north, as Cam Newton said, um, <laughs> to the frozen tundra where they took on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Okay, let's not bury a lead here, Bruno. Yep. Tampa Bay, headed to the Super Bowl. Yes, they, sir. They knock off the Packers 31-26 um, in the far, I would say, the far and away the better game this weekend. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, I really have no idea where I want to start. I think we should just start. Let's, let's, let's just start at the top, okay? Yeah. Buccaneers in this first half dominated the game. 
They were unbelievable on third down. I think they convert. They were six for their first six on third downs, and they weren't like gimme third and one, third and two. Like they were third and seven, third and eight. Brady having to hit Mike Evans a couple times. Blah blah blah. Well, on the first drive of the game, methodically, Tampa marches right down the field. They pick up a big third down, then a big third down reception for Mike Evans for a fifteen-yard touchdown. Bucks are up seven nothing before you could even blink. So. I, it, it kind of reminded me of the start the Patriots had against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. When you're going on the road to go face an opponent who is favored and probably better than you, okay, it's imperative that you don't play from behind. So you get off to a quick start. Your offense does what it wants to do, and and you get on the board, and that's exactly what the Bucks did. They literally could not have crafted up a better, a better drive. Um, nine plays, 66 yards, just... Like I said, methodical. So fantastic start for the Bucks. You know, it did it did get back to seven seven. Green Bay did respond, but it took a quarter. And then then that's when the fireworks started, Bruno. When it got to be seven seven, the fireworks started. Okay. Um Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, as as he's as he's called around these parts. As he's called. Rips off a twenty yard run that looks like the Leonard Fournette of four years ago. I don't know where that came from. But it looked like you running a football, bro, like electric. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't think we quite look the same. But it did remind me, on a lesser scale, of that Marshawn Lynch beast mode run. That was w- way longer and more impressive against, I think, the Saints, like however long ago that was. That kind of gave me those vibes where, like, Leonard Fournette just took off, thought he was going to get stopped, spin move, shedding tackle. It was like, when is this run going to end? And it ended in the end zone for it. Spoiler alert, he scored. He scored. 20-yard touchdown run, put the Bucks up 14-7. to But when... When you had the passing game clicking early on, and then you were getting contributions from Leonard Fournette, I was like, oh, God, they're going to do this, aren't they? The Bucks are going to freaking do this, aren't they? Well, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is what he is. The Packers offense has been prolific all, all season long. They, they go back, score a field goal, blah, 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 14-10. Not a whole lot else happens till the end of the first half, and this is where the fireworks really, really start. Yep. So I believe, Bruno, mm-hmm. uh, it was fourth and three. For the Buccaneers in their own for in Packers territory, not deep in it, but you know, they, long story short, Bruce Arians sends out the punt team, sends out the punt team to punt on fourth and three, and then all of a sudden calls timeout and puts offense back on the field. So big ball Bruce, big balls Bruce, puts Tom Brady back out there. They convert on the fourth down. Now we're talking there are a mere couple seconds left in this game. I mean, in the half, I think there was 13 seconds left when they ran the fourth down play. Okay, so they run the fourth down play. They get it. A pass to Leonard Fournette in the flats. Picks up three yards. First down. Now there's seven seconds left in the first half. And I remember I was, I was hanging with some of the guys and I was saying like, what do you do here? Because I think they were on like the... They were on the 39-yard line. I was like, six, seven seconds. Do you run a five-yard out and then just try to kick a field goal really fast? Because they, they were out of timeouts. So anything that they had in the middle of the field was going to be it was that was the only shot they had. So either you take a shot to the end zone, or you hit a pass out of bounds. Otherwise, if you're tackled in the field of play, half's over, right, Bruno? Oh yeah, that is that is confirmed. So the uh, the Packers decided to enable their Greg Williams New York Jets defense that they <laughs> that they ran against the Oakland uh, the Vegas Raiders, and. Um, on a play, a Hail Mary, where the all four bucks went deep. Uh, they had a single high safety and played press coverage. So they didn't blitz everybody like the Jets did. 
but Bruno, that has to be one of the dumbest play calls in all in all of all time. Because what happened? Well, what happened was, uh, unfortunately for your Packers fan, you're going to know the name Kevin King because this is not the last we're going to talk about him on this episode. And according to the big plays for the Bucks, but what happened was. Brady saw our boy, the boy who you predicted to have a big game, Scotty Miller on the Bucks, running right up the left side, basically just like not a lot of movement, just exploded off the line, ran right past Kevin King, who maybe he thought he had help. Maybe he just was poor coverage. I don't know what they were thinking. Like you said, it was a weird play design. But basically, Brady just throws a picture-perfect pass to the end zone. Scotty Miller catches it with basically no time remaining, and the Bucks score. It was it, – I was shocked. I, I mean, it's just it's, – it's inexcusable of the Packers coaching staff, the floor, whoever who you're in charge, man. So ultimately it falls on you. But if you are allowing that to happen, even if you think that they're just going to throw the five right out, I mean, that's what I thought. I didn't think they were going to take a shot, but you have to at least plan for it. Like you're, you're NFL head coach. So you put yourself, you put your players in a position not to succeed and they didn't succeed. So I, I, it was just, that was the turning point of the game. Yeah, and for several reasons. Number one, just responding directly to that point you just made, also it's Tom Brady. Like, I don't care what you're thinking about situational, but like we know Tom Brady that when he sees a matchup he likes, if a cornerback or a safety goes out for injury and a new one comes in, he'll target the new guy over and over and over again. Like Tom Brady's going to exploit whatever he sees. So you just have to know that. Like that's, it, it, A, we're in the conference championships, right? So like we're at this level, but B, it's Tom Brady. So put some respect to his name. Going back to what you said though, about putting players in a position to succeed, Kurt. The Packers, right before this Bucks possession, right? The Packers had the ball. And I remember thinking at the time, like, the Packers was like, okay, it'd be great if they could score here because they would do the classic Patriots, score at the end of the first half, get the ball back to start the second half, score in the second half. It's like the score sandwich, right? Not only did the Packers have a bunch of questionable whatever, but the Bucks also kind of, like, messed up the time management with all those with the Packers drive because they like weren't calling timeouts and stuff on, like to try to save the clock to try to score and by the time they started doing so they wasted all their timeouts and they had like you know they lost like a minute to two minutes of that last drive where Brady led them down the field obviously as you're saying they converted the fourth down and scored the touchdown so you could say you know results-based analysis it worked but like that was just a huge like you said an absolutely massive swing to go from potentially Packers scoring before and after halftime to the Bucks getting a touchdown right in at the end right there it could not be understated how huge that was well and let's let's talk about that too because you make a good point about the time management from the Buccaneers for everything Bruce Arians giveth he taketh a lot <laughs> and he taketh a lot <laughs> because and I I quite famously had a had, had a rant <laughs> about Bruce Arians I am going to prove to be incorrect because that was the time the Bucks were like seven and five they were struggling. Their offense was still – He was Bruce Arians was still not letting Brady do what Brady does, right. blah, 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 blah. But Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl despite being coached by Bruce Arians. And he had a colossal mistake late in this game too, Bruce Arians did, that I, that I will talk about later yep. in terms of time management. But just – I love the call that he puts the offense back out in the field with 13 seconds, so that's fantastic, and that ends up getting you seven more points. So right. for that, Bruce Arians, congratulations. But you also could have royally screwed your team on multiple different accounts because you're just kind of dumb. I mean, yeah, there's there's no other thing to say other than that's exactly right. Right. That, I, that, that play before the half has to be the turning point in the game because you're look, with 13 seconds to go and the Buccaneers punt team on the field, you're looking at it to be 14 to 10 at the half. Right. Well, you know, then a seven-point swing. 
blah, 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 21 to 10. They start the third quarter. And what happens to start the third quarter, Bruno? The Packers, on like the second play, fumble. It's a scoop and almost score. The, the Bucks bring it back to the eight-yard line. And then on the first play, Tom Brady play action to Cameron Brait for eight yards. It's 28 to 10 before you can blink. And Kurt, that's the swing that we're talking about. Like that, you like. I'm sure the Packers, when they had the ball right before halftime, before they punted, I'm sure that's what they were envisioning, right? Like they're envisioning envisioning getting back into this game by using that score sandwich. But instead, they just hand delivered it right to the Bucks, and the Bucks did what they, you know, the Bucks and Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does best, and he takes advantage when it's you know the opportunity is in front of it. So they went up 28 to 10. And Kurt, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, this game is over. Oh, I. I'm with you. I'm 100%. 28-10. Tom Brady's already thrown three touchdown passes. Fournette in the run game's grooving. I was like, I know it's Aaron Rodgers, but this game's over. Yeah. This game's over. 28-10. However. However. It is the Packers. It is the Packers, and they're they're there in this game for a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the, the for the rest of the third quarter, the Packers controlled it. Okay. Robert Tonyan caught an eight-yard touchdown about halfway through. And then late in the third quarter, Devontae Adams caught a touchdown. But I'll say this. Like I mentioned, when it was 28-10, to 10, right, Tom Brady had thrown three touchdowns, no picks. Oh, boy. Well, I respect the Buccaneers for not just running the ball and trying to run out clock because I think that's playing not to lose. Mm-hmm. But some of the play calling by Byron Leftwich or Bruce Arians, whoever calls plays for the Bucs, was really, really, really stupid in the third quarter. Uh, third quarter into the fourth quarter. Even when the game got close, it was not good. Um, I don't know. I, what was your thoughts on that? Anything? Yeah, no. And uh, like you said, it, it. I don't know if you felt this way too, but right after 28 to 10 and as the Packers were getting back into this game, in my gut, I was getting this feeling. I was like, uh-oh. Uh, a big lead in the third quarter that involves 28 to a little amount of points with a Tom Brady led team in the game. Like obviously not the exact situation. It's stretching a little bit, but part of me as the, the Packers were calling back in this game, I was like, Oh no. I was like, is this about to reverse happen to Brady? What I will also say though, as we get into the fourth quarter, right? Cause there's a lot to talk about for the fourth quarter. One thing that drastically impacted the fourth quarter was on one of the green Bay touchdowns. They went for two. And Aaron Rodgers throws an absolute dime of a pass to a receiver. I don't even know his first name. It was like St. Brown or something. Literally yeah. right off his hands. And we're going to get into in the fourth quarter, but there were some brutal drops. A lot to start the game for the Bucks. There were a lot of brutal, brutal drops. And for the Packers, just kind of throughout the game, there was a lot of brutal drops. But none arguably was more impactful than that two-point conversion drop because that shaped all of the decisions, basically, the rest of the fourth quarter. No, you're so spot on, Bruno. That did help. That did shape a lot of what happened the rest of this game. So like we mentioned, it was 28-10 Bucks. Packers go down, they score a touchdown, 28-17. The next series for the Bucks, Tom Brady's first interception of the game. Packers respond by going back down the field, 13-play drive, touchdown again, 28-23. So now it gets interesting. Now it gets interesting. Um, because, you know, the game is tight again. The Buccaneers have thrown... You know, back-to-back interceptions. Ultimately, the Bucks' defense gets Green Bay into a three-and-out. You're like, okay, that's better. That's better. Brady comes back onto the field again and throws his third straight interception on a drive. Now, I will say this. That second interception I mentioned, okay, bounced off of Mike Evans' hands. The throw was high. You right. cannot deny that the throw was high. Right. But you're Mike Evans. 
you should catch that football. Like, I mean, it hit you in both of your hands. It reminds me, Bruno, a lot of the Wes Welker drop uh, in the Super Bowl. A couple, what was that, 2010, I think that one was? Yeah, 2010. You know, not a great throw, but a very a catchable pass to a right. great player that hits both of your hands. Right. You're playing in the NFC Championship game for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And you're, a, you're an all-pro. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. So that was his second interception. And then the third interception was just a terrible, terrible play call. Terrible. You run like a double play action, and Brady's got pressure in his face and a bad decision by Tom. Throws a jump ball to Mike Evans, but you're going, don't be throwing two man routes when that shit's happening. Like it was just, it wasn't smart football. It wasn't smart football. And luckily, the Bucs did keep him in it. Uh, I mentioned 28 23 until the Bucs get the ball back. They kick a field goal. Was this the fourth? Yeah, this is the fourth quarter. Yep. All right, Bruno. Yep. So the Bucks kick a field goal in the fourth quarter to go up 31-23. And it sets the stage for Aaron Rodgers to come out down by one score, down by eight. Like you mentioned, they went for two, and they, they missed it, so now they're down eight. Mm-hmm. Bruno, Green Bay drives their little asses down the field. They're in the red zone. They're inside the 10. They're on the seven-yard line, Bruno. Maybe eight-yard line. Third and seven, third, third and eight, third and goal from the eight. Let's call it third yes. and goal from the eight. Yep. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, nobody open, nobody open. Drops back to pass, nobody open. Rolls up through the pocket to his right. Looks like he has an alley to run, Bruno. Oh, yeah. Looks like he's got a little, a little greeny green in front of him. He decides not to throw it. I mean, not to run it. He throws across his body to try to squeeze it into Devontae Adams incomplete now you know there's what two something left in the game yeah like two two and a half minutes and the clock's running with two and a half minutes left so those yeah two and a half minutes ish clock stops on the incomplete pass down by eight you have three timeouts and uh matt lafleur head coach of the green bay packers bruno decides that Now's the perfect time to kick a field goal. So he marches his field goal unit out there and kicks a field goal to make it 31-26. But I got some issue. I got some problems. I got some problems with that. There's there's lots of problems. Okay. Let's start from the top. Yep. Let's start for let's start. Say Aaron Rodgers. I, the first mistake comes from Aaron Rodgers for trying to squeeze the ball into Devontae Adams. Right. Okay, you're an athletic quarterback. I'd love to see you take off and run. Even if you don't score a touchdown, rather than it be fourth and goal from the eight, maybe it's fourth and goal from the two or the three. And then I promise you LaFleur doesn't kick a field goal. Okay? Mm-hmm. But he didn't do that. So now it's fourth and eight, fourth and goal from the eight. You're still going to need a touchdown even if you kick the field goal. So why not go for it? You have Aaron Rodgers. You have Devontae Adams. You have a prolific offense. Why are you deciding to kick the field goal there? Because you're still going to need a stop regardless. If you go for it and don't get it, you, you need a stop. If you kick the field goal, you still need a stop. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying, Kurt. And like you said, it was just it was just kind of ludicrous. I, I remember live as they were running out to kick the field goal. I remember just turning around and just being like, what is it? Like, am I crazy? Like, what's happening here? A lot of things going on. And we found out after the game that it also was just awful execution and awful communication. What we found out after the game was apparently 
Matt LaFleur let Aaron Rodgers call the third down play. So that's fine. But what they didn't either talk about beforehand or did not make clear was that Aaron Rodgers, after the game, was like, I thought we were going to go for it on fourth down. That, that could have completely changed the decision-making on third down. Either he could have tried running it, maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. Like he, That decision would have been different if he if he knew he wasn't going for it on fourth down. And also on top of that, he I, I almost feel like that pat, you mentioned on the third down play, he tried to force it to Devontae Adams. It almost kind of felt like he was, in a way, throwing it away because Devontae Adams was not open and the throw was low. So like you could argue that like Adam or um, Rogers was like, okay, this play has been going on for a while. Let me just kind of throw it away, you know, take a small chance, but kind of throw it away and we still fourth down. So the fact that they either didn't talk about that or that wasn't communicated is crazy. That being said, it just makes no sense. The only way, the only reason I would have been like, okay, I understand this field goal is if after the field goal, they were within three points, right? Because then you would have been like, get a stop, kick another field goal. That's the only way. 100%. If they right. were within... If it was a six-point game and you kick a field goal, fine. I'm all for it. Right. But you're down well, by eight, so it literally helps you. Little, like it, it can't help you. It literally can't help you. Right. And here's the other thing, Kurt. They, I just looked it up. So they, we got, I, I got the time a little wrong. They kicked the field goal with two minutes and five seconds left. Right. Very close to the two-minute warning. I don't know how you can think. Like, yes, we know you have to get a stop. Right. But like. I just don't know how you could see that little time and that close to the two minute warning. So like, you know, maybe if it's like two minutes and 40 seconds, you can say we have all of our timeouts to call before the two minute warning and to use the two minute warning. But at the end of the day, I just don't see how you could see that situation and be like Tom Brady's on the other team getting the ball back and be like, oh yeah, we're like, we should definitely, you know, like be at the goal line and kick a field goal and still need a touchdown. Then let's get the touchdown now. Let's get the two point conversion now. And like you said, it didn't change the fact that they need to stop no matter what. It just the, the decision making was just crazy. And I don't know if Matt LaFleur had like analytics experts in his ear. I don't know if he checked one of those like paper charts that's like win probability numbers. If that was the case, they'd need to figure it out because I think all of America was like, there's no way this is this is what you're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, it made no sense. And here's one more thing too, Bruno, right? Say the say the Packers go for it on fourth and goal from the eight with two minutes and five seconds remaining. If you don't get it. The Buccaneers are on the eight-yard line. They're right. so backed up. Rather than having them get the ball at the 20-25, keep it down at the eight-yard line. Like, it, there are just – the pros for going for it on fourth down, down there just so far outweigh the cons of kicking a field goal. Like, I, I – and you made a great point too. Remember who's on the other sideline. Right. He's He has literally proven it his entire career. Regardless of what team he's on. Right. So, I don't know. Just a total cop-out by LaFleur, I thought. And you mentioned the the communication between LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers probably was like, I got two plays to get in the end zone here. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then Kurt, Yeah. And then, sorry, just to segue, I don't want to skip over this, too, because this is like, I, I, I just kind of want to make this point before we get to the end of the game, too. It almost felt like both these teams were doing everything they could to lose the game in the fourth quarter. Like between Brady and again, like some of that's play con, but some bad decisions on those interceptions. Yes, the bad luck on Mike Evans' play, but just overall, the Bucks, like you could have put the game away in the fourth quarter and you didn't. But then also the Packers, like they just had like multiple three and outs after those turnovers, and did literally nothing with the ball. It was like, does he, I was kind of felt like watching it, does either team want to win? You add to that with, I don't know if you picked up on this, but after the. Packers at the field goal and they kicked the ball off. The Bucks returner 
could have just run out the ball until the two minute warning and he got the ball and immediately fell down and like i get ball security i totally get that and like i i understand that you don't want to fumble i totally get it but like just the he ended up like falling down with two minutes and two seconds left you're telling me you couldn't run two more seconds to get to the two minute warning so this is my thing too bruno that comes from your head coach that yeah when i talked about the thing we get to in time management that's bruce arian so right it's just, it was so idiotic because he slid down. I don't blame him for sliding down for the ball security, but you have to be aware enough that you have to get to the two-minute warning. Right. Because that you're otherwise you're giving the Packers another chance to stop the clock. So obviously they didn't. Uh, the Buccaneers returner, I don't know his name. He slid down with 202 like a goddamn loser. But I think that affected the Buccaneers' play calling because, Bruno, Obviously, no matter what happens after the first play, it's a two-minute warning. Yeah. Rather than run the ball, the Bucks went play action. They got nine yeah. yards. So the Bucks went it. play action. They got nine yards, two-minute warning, second yep. and one. The Packers come back, and they they go off sides on purpose. Yep. Uh, or, yeah, encroachment, something. Yep. To give them a free five yards is like they're going to get it anyway. So now it's first down, and the Buccaneers get a first down, uh, one more first down after the timeouts from the Packers, and, and they win. But it, uh, the end of that game, like you said, was just like it was such a good game. And then the fourth quarter was just incredibly bad. Yeah. And even like, you know, not that this was there were a lot more impactful plays than this, but even just the pass interference call at the end, too, that gave them gave the Bucks the first sound that add on to the anticlimactic endings that like like they showed the replay. And it's very clear that the defender pulled. Uh, I forget which receiver it was pulled the receiver's jersey. So like, if we're talking about textbook pass interference, that is. But it's, at the end of the day, it's like it's kind of tough when it's like we're trying to have an exciting end of the game. They took forever to review that. It was it was right. a very weird. Like you see thirty one to twenty six. You see uh, Rogers and Brady. Like you would if you didn't watch, you would see the swarm. Assume it was just an all time classic. And like it was definitely entertaining. And there was definitely drama and a lot of good stuff in this game. But there was also like the fourth quarter was. For being as close as it was, it was just very strange. Very weird fourth quarter. Yeah, it was a very weird fourth quarter. And Bruno, that brings me to my last point for this game. Okay? You mentioned mm-hmm. the pass interference that gave the Buccaneers a first down to win the game. For 58 minutes in this game, it appeared the referees had swallowed their whistles. They were letting yep. them play. And 100%. It was as clear as day. It's a penalty. Okay? But on the Murphy bunting, this or yeah, the Buccaneer safety when he intercepted Rodgers, he definitely interfered with the receiver for the Packers in that situation too. No call there. Bucks obviously get an interception. I just a hundred. It's again, it's the right call in the moment. But if you're gonna swallow your whistles all game, I don't know. I don't know. That flag came in super late too at the end of the game. Yeah, and you know, I mean, not that he's the only one who does this, but you know Brady is always on the refs whenever he thinks he sees something, whether it's right or wrong. He's like, yo, yo, you know, take a look at that, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And you're absolutely right. It wasn't a, it did not feel like a decisive penalty pass interference. It felt like a reactionary one. Never a good look for the optics. You know, it's all about the optics sometimes, and that's not a good look as the refs because it feels like they just succumb to the Bucks being like, that's pass interference. And you're right. I mean, again, I think the thing that frustrates fans the most for penalties is consistency right you know i always say consistency is key that's why i'll never change well like you said if you're not going to call the calls keep doing that the whole way and if you are going to call the calls at least call them and don't just be like oh yeah we're just only going to call some of them so i absolutely agree and like it was a tough way to lose the game obviously but yeah 
I don't know. What what are your kind of like, you know, I know we kind of just broke down the actual game, but what are your kind of closing thoughts about, you know, all that? My closing thoughts on the whole thing is that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're chokers. They're they're con artists. They're Damn. they're a team that bullies people all season long, gets to the postseason, and then can never win the big game. Aaron Rodgers has had some fucking dynamite teams over the course of his career, and he's made one Super Bowl. Like I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. People talk about him being the boat, the best of all time. No, 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 no. no. You've made <laughs> one Super Bowl. Eli Manning made more Super Bowls than you. Yeah, and now Tom Brady has won as many NFC championships as he has, as Rodgers has. Yeah, that's the craziest out. <laughs> Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers have the same amount of NFC championships as Tom Brady. That's just ludicrous. And ludicrous, absolutely. I yeah. so that's my biggest takeaway. I'm happy yeah, yeah. for the Bucks. Bruce Arians had a quote, Bruno. And I've given Bruce Arians shit, okay? I've given him plenty of shit. But if you look at the Buccaneers, you, rem- you they have Antonio Brown and they have Rob Gronkowski. Other than that, they're pretty much the same team from last year. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, okay, on the surface. The Buccaneers last year went 7-9 and nine with Jameis Winston, who threw 30 interceptions and had 10 fumbles. You insert Tom Brady for Jameis Winston, and he's taking the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl. It, it's crazy. And Bruce Arians, like with an all-time testament to Tom Brady, he had a quote that said, the belief he gave to this organization that they could be done, it only took one man. So it just he it shows that the minute Tom Brady stepped into the locker room, everybody else knew they had to up their game. And that's, oh, yeah. And that's it. And they did it. And now, Bruno, they're going home to Tampa Bay, going home to Tampa Bay to host a Super Bowl in their own stadium. Yeah, Kurt, and I'm not going to lie to you. It doesn't feel like that long ago when you and I were, you know, the episode before the season started, we were previewing what we thought about the Bucks, And you and I both, I distinctly remember us both being like, it's going to be a huge difference, just the culture shift that Brady is going to come in, the expectations, the work, the the early uh, early arrivals, late departures, the hours he puts in. The just belief he inspires in his teammates. We were all expecting that from Tom Brady, but I don't think either you or me, you know, expected him, you know, just to come in and immediately go to the Super Bowl. Like that, it's like we're, I know it's in the moment and there is a lot of people talking about it right now, but we're going to look back on this and just still be amazed every time we think about how he literally spent 20 years in one spot, switched teams and immediately took them to the Super Bowl. Like that's, that's great. It's literally, it's laughable. It's laughable is what it is. So, yep. The Buccaneers return home to the Super Bowl, but who are they playing, Bruno? Who are they playing? It's going to go to the AFC. Let's chat AFC for a second here. And we, I promise we will not spend 25 minutes in this game because it's <laughs> not, there's not 25 minutes worth of stuff. To talk no, about. no, 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 no. But in this game, okay, Josh Allen and the feel-good story of the season, the Buffalo Bills head out to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs hosting their third straight AFC championship game. And uh, they're going back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year, Bruno, because they had to win this one 38-24. The score really, I mean, it was a 14-point game, and it really wasn't even that close. Um, and you, shout out to you, Bruno, because in the pick six, you said it, this game could be a blowout, and that's what it was. Yeah, Kurt, I'm not going to lie. I just had a feeling going into this game that, like, the Chiefs were just going to it was just coming where they hadn't looked that good for that to close up the regular season. They hadn't even really, you know, been too crazy in the postseason. And I just, it was coming, right? Like you just figured it was coming. 
Well, it came, Kurt. Uh, the only thing I'll say for the Bills, right, and we'll get into all of it, but I will say, Kurt, if you ended the game after the first quarter, the Bills would have won. That means nothing, but I'm just at least the the Bills actually came out of the game right out of the bat and went up nine to nothing. So if you're, you know, at least you can say it wasn't all bad. And obviously they had the route at the end, but we can kind of go through it if you want. I mean, you know, what you kind of what you kind of think about what what were you feeling when the when the Bills went up nine nothing? I think they missed the extra point or I forget what happened with the nine. They scored a touchdown. Oh, yeah. So what happened? So for me, right, it was three nothing Bills. Right. And then um Nicole Hardman, the kick returner, punt returner, right. muffed, yeah, muffed, muffed it for the yep. Chiefs uh, on a punt. That's what it was. And then the, the Bills scored to go up 9 nothing, missed the extra point. So it's 9 So what were, you, what were you feeling at that point, Kurt? A shitstorm's coming because it reminded me so vividly of when Houston got up right. big. Or was it Houston last year? Someone got up big on Kansas City. Was also didn't that also happen in the Super Bowl? Weren't the 49ers winning in the Super Bowl? Yeah, they, they were up the like Chiefs ten in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah. But I, the Chiefs are just so explosive offensively. Yep. Between Travis Kelsey, who I hate, but he's really fucking good, yep. and Tyree Kill, they can score in the blink of an eye. So yep. it was nine nothing, and they show CBS showed a clip of Patrick Mahomes going up to Hardman on the sideline and like gassing him up. And I was like, they're gonna win this game by twenty points. Yeah. Like it just, it felt like, it felt like they were about to kick it into high gear and they weren't going to look back. And that is precisely what they did. Um, I don't want to go into everything because there's not a whole lot to talk about. It was just right. Travis Kelsey in this game, offensively for the Chiefs. I mean, the Bills should have put four people on him because he was he was yeah. wide open whenever he wanted to be. He right. finished the game with thirteen receptions. I think thirteen receptions would have been like fourth on the Patriots this year. <laughs> 13 Yikes. receptions, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Tyree Kill, nine receptions, 172 receiving yards. I mean, that's that's Madden stuff. That's like playing on rookie mode in Madden. Yeah, it's crazy. And again, just I know this has been said, and we've even said it, but every time I watch or we watch Tyree Kill run, it's great. He is so fast. Like it is crazy. How fast he is, and like I feel like almost every game, every time when he has these huge yardage games, it's because he has just multiple catches where you know he'll catch it and just run like sixty yards. He'll just outrun everybody for like sixty yards. It's so crazy how fast Tyreek Kill is. And then it's like they have the mini Tyreek Kill and Hardman too, who's no like he's also like the second fastest guy. So it's like they have both those guys on their team plus Travis Kelsey. Like as much as I hate to say it, the most athletic tight end. It's like you add in everything else. It's like it's like not fair. It's literally like not fair. It's like their offense is like mad. Yeah, it's it's. It's absurd, and they this game got away from the Bills quickly. I think what was the score at one point? It was, yeah, 38-15. So right. 38-15 late in the game, and the Bills got a couple, you know, a gimme score, a touchdown, and a field goal, and that was it. But it, for me, two takeaways. Obviously, we know how good Kansas City's offense is. But I was really, really, really impressed with Kansas City's defense in this game. Now, I'll say this because we've talked about the Bills being that high-octane, powerful offense that can score quick, kind of like Kansas City. Well, we haven't seen that for a little bit here. Like, that kind of went away. You mentioned it when they were putting up 56 points at the end of the season. And then the postseason, they've been – it hasn't really looked like that. So they have they kind of came back to reality at the, at the wrong time from an offensive perspective. But I will give a tip of the cap to Kansas City and that Steve Spagnuolo defense um, – 
Steve Spagnola defense was the word I'm trying to say. Um, because they played a great game and they were able to pressure Josh Allen. Josh Allen also took a couple terrible sacks. Oh my god, dude! Like, so bad. It was like that's I don't like twenty yard sack. Yeah, Josh Allen took the leap this year, but like he also made some bonehead decisions in this game. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, he was twenty eight of forty eight. So you know, eh, stat line. And but those those sacks, he got sacked uh, four times for fifty three yards. That's just that's, that's unacceptable. Yeah, and Kurt, I'll also add, I, like, because I'm glad you brought up that at one point it was 38 to 15. Obviously, the final score was 38 to 24. Kind of misleading because that almost doesn't feel like a blow. But to be completely honest, the score was only close because the Bills snuck in a late touchdown and then just miraculously covered an onside kick and ended up kicking another field goal. So good for the Bills and making the final score no look not that bad. But like you said, basically from the point it was nine nothing. To the fourth at the end of the first quarter to the fourth quarter the chiefs just dominate like they just absolutely dominated they decided to kick it up a notch and basically once they went up 38 to 15 they went up 38 to 15 with seven minutes left they kind of just like stopped but they just were kind of like we've already won which like to be fair they had but like that's the only reason the bills kind of came back in the game yeah the only thing i'll say kurt is that like i'm sure you saw it too definitely got a, a little chippy at the end of the game between the bills and the, and the chiefs that was the <laughs> only other thing i was gonna say it, it got right. chippy and i was like god if i'm the chiefs i'm getting patrick mahomes out of the game like i'm getting oh yeah because bruno late in the game fourth quarter the starting left tackle for or right tackle i don't remember eric fisher oh, the yeah. chiefs did something to his achilles and it looks like he's gonna be out a while I don't know if he's right. officially torn, but I mean, Andy Reid went up and hugged him. So, like, you don't do that for a little injury. Right. So, now the Chiefs are down their two starting tackles going up against a Bucks defensive line that had like six sacks against the Packers last week. So, huge advantage to the Bucks in that department going to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. But, Bruno, I don't, I don't, not trying to cheap out in this game, but is there anything else you really want to talk about? Because I don't, I don't have a whole lot to talk about. No, I, I don't have a whole lot more else, you know, from this actual game. I know we're going to, you know, get into a little bit on this episode and then obviously, you know, in future episodes about what we think about the Super Bowl. One last thing to say about the Bills. You kind of already mentioned it, but like they had a great season. They won the division. Obviously, you know, they there was questions about who was going to step up with Tom Brady leaving and what, you know, where the Patriots going to be the same, where the Dolphins are going to take that leap. The Bills pretty definitively were saying this year that they are the new kind of like kings of the uh, division. So good for them for doing that. And again, like, you know, it's not like they didn't make it far in the playoffs. They won two playoff games. And whether they were putting up 56 or they put up just enough to win, they still won two playoff games, right? So I think the most important thing for the Bills is that you can say they pretty definitively that in winning the division and winning two playoff games, they took that next step. Like that's about as as big of a step as you're probably going to get. So, you know, that's kind of good news, bad news, right? Like the good news is you took that step. The bad news is, you know, like next year, the expectations are going to kind of be you either get to this spot or you surpass it, right? So I guess that's a good problem to have if you're a Bills fan. You know, obviously we'll see what kind of happens with, you know, the Dolphins whether or the Jets, whether one of them gets to Sean Watson or the Patriots, you know, are they rebuilding? So we'll, we'll see a lot of what happens next year, but you do have to feel good if you're a Bills fan with how the season went, you know, especially it was Stephon Dix's first year. He was a superstar, Josh Allen, like you said, taking the leap. So a lot of positive for, positives for the Bills for next year. Yeah, the Bills 100% took a leap this year like we've talked about so much on this podcast this year, but obviously disappointing ending, but I... Sean McDermott was interviewed right after the game about how he felt, how his thoughts about the year, and he was 
obviously disappointed about the game, but he was so complimentary of his team. And I think he is the perfect man to lead that team going forward. The, it looks like the AFC is going to run through Buffalo and Kansas City for a little bit here. There are two teams who are who are stacked. And I... Like, Bruno, the Bills were such a good team, and they were beating tough teams. And the Chiefs made them look like goddamn Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like... Maybe we've gotten comfortable by just like expecting the Chiefs to be so good, but they're so good. Yeah, Kurt, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Like they won the Super Bowl last year, and before they won the Super Bowl, we knew they were good. Again, Patrick Mahomes has been doing this for you know three or four seasons now. I forget exactly how many. So that's absolutely right. Like I think we kind of took for granted how good they were. That being said, they did some of that to themselves by what we were talking about in terms of like not playing up to their full potential at the end of the regular season, having some close games. But when they want a ball out, Kurt, it appears that almost you know I'll say this: almost no one can stop them. We don't know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl, right? And I'm, we're obviously going to get into that. But like, it, it appears heading in that when they want to be, when they want to score, it's it's very hard for teams to stop them, and it's it's very hard for the Chiefs to you know not feel like they're going to put up forty plus in any game. Well, like you mentioned, the Dark Knight is waiting for them down <laughs> in Tampa, so we will see. Um, but yeah, I really, it, I think it comes back back to that for me. I just, I think I take for granted how good Patrick Mahomes and how good that Chiefs team is. It feels like it feels like the Patriots. It feels like a dynasty. It feels like they're on the if if they repeat, it's a dynasty. They're they're on their way. So I heard this conversation though, Kurt, and you can tell me if you agree. I think they were having it on a part of my take. They were saying dynasty is three, three and four, or three and five, three in a row. This obviously would be two, and it's not like they've made three Super Bowls yet because they lost three years ago, or they lost the Patriots before they won the Super Bowl. So like. Do you, are you calling two? In a, is it two in a row that's a dynasty? Would you say two out of three is a dynasty? Like what? What? They, what how do you define that? If they win two in a row and they're they're they lost in the AFC Championship game to the Pats, yeah, and they won a Super Bowl and then they win a Super Bowl this year, it's a dynasty. Okay, and I'm very I mean, confident you heard it here. that. Yeah, you heard it here first. I mean, it's hard for me to doubt you at this point. And to be completely honest, Kurt, they could be oh, very well back here next year again. So well, uh, <laughs> why wouldn't they be? I mean, it, yeah. like that's just the expectation. It feels like us for so long. It's like the season yeah. starts in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. That's the Chiefs' mantra right now. It's like, well, it starts in the AFC Championship game. But goddamn, Andy Reid in this stupid mask—he looks like a beak. It's like <laughs> I saw a tweet, and I literally can't get it out of my head now. I don't know who tweeted it, but it was like. All I picture underneath Andy Reid's mask is a, a corn on the cob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and him, like, chomping away at it. And it's, now, every time I look at him, I'm like, I wonder how that corn tastes. Yeah, my God. I mean, and also, Kurt, underrated coaching matchup. Just a couple of units. We got Bruce Arians versus Andy Reid. It's just kind of funny that that's the coaching matchup we There's got. There's going to be some beer and some bourbon <laughs> this, this week. Or I love it. But, yeah, Bruno, so that's what we got. We got Bucks, yep. the Chiefs, Bucks, the five seed. Hosting yep. the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, even though the the Chiefs are the one seed. So um, I don't know. It's first time ever the game is being played. A team who plays in the stadium is going to be playing Super Bowl. But of course, Tom Brady does that. Of course, he does. So of course, um, next week's episode is going to be all. We're going to preview it, get into the nitty gritty, really dive into some stuff. Um, so we'll save it for that. But Bruno. Mm-hmm. Um, as we discussed, Bruno and I were talking today about what we wanted to do for the next couple episodes. And um, I have some thoughts and opinions 
about uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady that I want to discuss for a little bit here. And then next week, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about the, the obviously break down the game. And then Bruno and I are going to have some fun, hashtag fun, doing a, a couple mock draft type things for the page. Yeah, we got, a, we got a nice little treat in store for you next week. You know, So uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to be, I can promise you it's going to be electric. But as Kurt said, he has approximately uh, 50 single spaced typed notes that he would uh, pages, sorry, pages of notes that he would like to say about uh, our boy Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and that whole stuff. So, you know, I just want to remind the people before we get started, I'm here. I'm just going to be Kurt's chauffeur on this wonderful adventure into his thoughts. So I'm going to start driving, Kurt. You're backseat back right right now. You don't have to worry about anything other than your thoughts. So hop in. We're all gas, no brakes. Just hop in, and I'm excited to get started on this journey with you. Kurt, take – oh, I was going to say take the wheel, but I have the wheel because I'm driving. So t- take the spotlight. All right. Take the spotlight. Take the microphone. Bruno, please drive safely. Um- Um, yep. So first things first, Bruno. Okay, let's start. I'm the realist. Sorry. Oh, you're damn right, you're the realist. <laughs> but let's start in no other place but to talk about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Because over the course of the next two weeks, you're going to hear at nauseum, whether it's from Patriots fans, whether it's from the national media, about who was more important, Brady or Bill? Brady or Bill? And I know we've had this conversation before, but... For some reason, this needs to be said again. Okay? Who was more important? Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Well, how about this, Bruno? It was both of them. It was both of them. They both needed each other. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's not six banners hanging inside Gillette Stadium right now if it wasn't for Tom Brady. There's not six banners in Gillette Stadium hanging right now if it wasn't for Bill Belichick. They both needed each other. And that's what makes the Patriots dynasty so impressive, and it will never be repeated. Patrick, we just talked about a dynasty and Patrick Mahomes, potentially. I don't see any shot of Andy Reid and him winning six Super Bowls, okay? Uh, If if Patrick Mahomes is playing in Super Bowl 2073, which would be like the equivalent of Tom Brady playing in this Super Bowl, we'll chat. But until then, I don't think it will ever be repeated, okay? And yeah, sure, you can go back to the Patriots and be like, when Belichick first started, if Drew Bledsoe remained the quarterback for the Patriots under Belichick, do they win a ring or two? Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. But the pure domination that we've seen for two decades up until this season was because of both of them. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, put a percentage on it. And I, I'll allow people to do that for sure. Like, if you want to tell me, like, I, I agree it's not 50-50, but if you're going to tell me that it was 90% Belichick or 90% Tom Brady, I'm going to laugh you out of the building, okay? But if you tell me it was Brady who was 60, 65% of it, I'll definitely listen and I'll probably even agree. Um, if I were to pick right now, I'd lean you up. Tom Brady was more of the reason they won Super Bowls than Bill Belichick. But was it astronomical? No. Would If Brady was there alone, let's say – Marvin Lewis was their head coach. Maybe Brady has two or three Super Bowls, but he doesn't have six. I promise you that much, okay? Now, here's the thing. With Brady advancing the Super Bowl in his first year with the Bucks, 
and the Patriots finishing seven and nine and missing the playoffs for the first time since 2008, Bruno. So many people on Twitter, so many people on TV have been saying that Brady is declared the winner between Belichick and Brady. Brady proved Belichick wrong, blah, blah, blah. There's no question and there's no denying the fact that Tom Brady won, in air quotes, this season. Okay? But that doesn't mean it's over. It's off. That's basing it off of one season. What happens if Belichick goes to the Super Bowl next year or in two years and the Bucs don't make the playoffs next year? Did did Brady still win? What if Brady? What if Brady's terrible next year? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we, but we don't know, right? So it's way too early to settle that debate. In my opinion, it will always be that they needed each other. But if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of that debate, there probably never will be or should be a winner between the two. But you can't. No matter what, you cannot decide it off of one season. What are your quick thoughts about that, Bruno? Kurt, I that I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you. My biggest thing has always been exactly what your last point was. I don't understand why we're settling the debate right now. Like, yes, nobody, you and I right now who are saying, let's not settle this now. We're not saying Tom Freddy's bad. Obviously, we don't think that. Obviously, we think he's good. Obviously, we think he's a large part of the Super Bowls and the dynasties, right? But let's just face the facts, Kurt. Tom Brady left the Patriots to go to a win now situation with the Bucks, right? Like, look at that roster. That's a win now situation. Bill Belichick stayed with the Patriots, who were then put in not a win now situation. Like, yeah, we tried, but like you just can't look at those two. It's not like the 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 variables were equal. It's not like the teams were equal. Like, it's not like we had the Chiefs roster. We had the roster that we had this year, including all of the opt-outs. So it's not like you could say Belichick had at his disposal what Tom Brady had at his disposal, and Belichick went seven to nine and Brady went what he did in his in the Super Bowl, right? You're comparing two situations. it's like comparing apples to oranges because it's just two completely different situations. Yeah, I you're, no, you're spot on about like in the future, that will most likely and probably change, right? Like I don't know if we're gonna see Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe not. What we are what we do know and hopefully is that Belichick's about to, you know, make moves this offseason and we'll get our quarterback and then we'll see what we do when we're in a better chance to to do something, but just to compare now when it's two different situations makes no sense. Correct. And I, I so well said, I'm going to get into it in this next point too. This next topic Bruno is highlighted. It's called on why Patriots fans are morons. If they're rooting against Tom Brady. <laughs> okay. okay. My parents need to listen to this. So uh, mom well, and dad, if you're listening, pay attention. to. Kurt. Well, mom and dad, uh, Briskin and mom and dad field are in agreement because they're both not happy about Tom Brady. Maybe it's an old person thing. No, just kidding. You're not that old people, but like, <laughs> Okay, first and foremost, stop. Stop. If you are bitter and you're calling Tom Brady a traitor or whatever, no offense, you're a clown. Okay? <laughs> you're a clown. You belong on a shirt like Roger Goodell. Oh, God. Okay? Tom Brady is not a diva. Okay? He's not high maintenance. He just wants to win. He cares about the team and the team only, and that is his only purpose in life. I swear to God, he's like a robot. Time and time again with the Patriots, right, Bruno? Brady left millions and millions of dollars on the table. He took pay cut after pay cut so he could be surrounded by better people. So he would give Coach Belichick a chance to go out and get other people. Focus on the defense. Do what you got to do. I mean, even in his goodbye video to the Patriots this March, the whole background thing was about team. It was about team, team, team. Like, he that's what Tom Brady is. He preaches about team. Okay? He played 18 full seasons in the Patriots 19 if you want to include the half he played in 2008 the half of a game against the Chiefs before he tore his ACL 
18 full seasons, 13 conference championship games, nine Super Bowls, six Super Bowl victories. He took a laughable franchise back in 2000, 2001 technically, and turned them into a billion-dollar empire. They're worth like $4.4 billion right now. Tom Brady is a huge reason why. He gave you every single ounce of himself for two straight decades. And let's not get it twisted. Can you imagine, Bruno, how hard it is to play for Bill Belichick for two decades? Like, I love Bill with all my heart, but, man, he that has to be so tough. And Tom put up with it every single day for two decades. And then on top of that, he's 43 years old. So he's pushed away father time like no other human being in sports history. In sports history. And I'm so confident to say that. You talk about Michael Jordan, fine. Second. Tom Brady's 43 years old. Everyone said he wouldn't be able to throw a pass past the age of 40. And he's in a Super Bowl now at 43. He knows things aren't going to last forever. Okay? Like I mentioned, he's pushed it away. He's pushed it away. But it's not going to last forever. He knows that window is closing. And he knows what the Patriots surrounded him with in terms of weapons last season. And more importantly, he knew it was coming back for this season. And again, don't get me wrong. Belichick tried. He brought in Antonio Brown last year. He brought Josh Gordon back because Tom Brady loved those guys. Belichick tried. It just didn't work out. The cupboard was bare, and Tom knew it. So like you just mentioned, Bruno, Tom Brady is 43 years old now and has to make a decision. Does he stay and try to work with the very, very limited pieces he had in New England, or does he go somewhere where he thinks he can win now? To me, simple decision. He went somewhere where he thought he could surround himself with the most talent and look how it worked out. The biggest thing that I cannot get over with all the lamenting about Brady is that the 2020 Patriots, they're not close to winning a Super Bowl this year, even if Tom Brady is the quarterback. Brady is in a better situation now, and as great as he is, that's why he's playing in two weeks. Should Belichick and the Patriots have had a better succession plan? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But keeping Brady would have been more of the same product that you saw last season in 2019. That's not Brady's fault because he you can see how good he still is. It's just the reality of the situation. So ultimately, I think the people who are rooting against Tom Brady are just petty and they want us to see Tom Brady finish his career in a Patriots uniform regardless of anything else. And I think that's a fair feeling to have. I, God damn, Bruno. I wish he finishes a Patriot too. Like, he's my childhood idol. But Brady, for his purposes of wanting to win, like I've already mentioned, is a driving force between his and that's what drives Tom Brady. He just wants to win. For the purposes of winning, he 100% made the right choice. And I, I couldn't be happier for the guy. He did so much for New England and so much for this region and brought so much attention to not just football, but sports in general around Boston and New England that if he wanted one more chance to go win a Lombardi trophy, I'm very glad he I'm so glad he did it because it wouldn't have happened in New England right now. And you better believe, Bruno, I am rooting for Tom Brady to go give Patrick Mahomes the work in Super Bowl 55. That's my take on that. What do you, what, how do you feel? 
Yeah, Kurt, I, I'm right there with you. You said all the reasons perfectly. My, my biggest thing is that there was no, like, literally, there was no reason for Tom Brady to stay other than, like, just it's because he's always been on the Patriots. Like, if you look at their chance to be competitive this year, if you look at the weather, if you look at how much fun he could have, if you look at, you know, he's 43 and maybe he wants to spice it up a bit, if you look at the offensive weapons, if you look, like, every single reason or every single, like, comparison between the Bucks and the Patriots is, like, on the Bucks side, other than just the fact that he's just been on the Patriots forever and, like, the relationship he's had, right? So I'm not discounting that. I'm right there with you and that. Obviously, I'd love if he had stayed, but there, it's not hard it's it's not like this was a decision where it's hard to understand why he left and at the end of the day kurt like you said it best he's put so much in for our team he sacrificed his his body and his soul and his mind for 20 years gave us six super bowls like i think he's earned a little bit of like let me go for two or three years or however many years like down south where it's warm have fun with like bazillion passing weapons and like a coach who lets him do does what he wants like let him have some fun right so he's earned at it. the end of the day yeah. he's earned it Right. And also, Kurt, like at the end of the day, right, like it's one thing if it's like he went to like our rival or like he went to someone in the division. Right. But like no offense to Tampa Bay, like who cares about Tampa Bay? It's not even in the AFC. It's not in our division. It's not a team I hate. It, you know, it's not like he went to the Chiefs. I like he went yeah, to the I'd you know, argue, Seahawks. I'd, like, argue, cares I'd argue that it was the most irrelevant franchise in the NFL. Right. And that that's what makes it even better because again, it's like it's not like it's like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors or it's like it's not some situation where you could like hate it because it's like a team you hate or whatever. Like I have nothing really against the Bucs as a franchise. I don't I largely did not really think about the Bucs as a franchise. Right. So and you had no reason to. You had no right. reason to. And what Bruno, like I just do I want to puke every time I see him in the freaking brown and red? Yeah. <laughs> but like I I respect his decision. Who am I? Who is Kurt Field to sit here and tell him he's a traitor after everything he did for the Patriots organization? Who, like, how selfish do you have to be? Because Tom Brady was the least selfish person of all time for 20 seasons. So he deserves a chance to go do what he wants to do. Yeah, and Kurt, let's also not beat around the bush, too, about this point as well. Say he wins the Super Bowl, maybe two in the Bucs. Again, I don't know how long he's playing. We don't know what next year's going to look like. Say he wins one, maybe two. He's still going to be remembered as a Patriot. Like, this yeah. is going to be a cool footnote to be, like, on top of his already GOAT legacy, he did this, too. It's just going to add to his ridiculous stats and add some NFC records. It's just going to be funny to, like, be like, okay, he has all these records, and he just added that. But at the end of the day, he's still – people are still going to associate him with the Patriots. Like, it's not like we're – it's not like it's he's in the prime of his career and he's going to go spend more years in the Bucs than do the Patriots. So, yeah. that's also what I keep returning to, like – the success he's having with the Bucks is now, but when you look back on the legacy of Brady, it's going to be the multiple Patriots dynasties that you remember. Right. So. He's not going into the Hall of Fame as a goddamn Buccaneer, regardless if he wins the Super Bowl or not. Right. Or two, whatever he, however long he's around for. And Bruno, right. here's my final thought on the thing because this truthfully makes me happier than anything. That's what, what I want to leave you with. Okay. Mm -hmm. People are finally starting to respect and give Tom Brady the credit he deserves, and literally nothing makes me happier than that, and it's sad that all it took was for him to leave New England for that to happen. Bruno, I went back to my Facebook page. Okay? Oh, God. <laughs> on March 17th, the day Tom Brady left, I went out and I wrote like a little blog type thing on Facebook about how like Tom Brady was my hero, blah, 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 blah. But on the day he left, this little paragraph I wrote. I said, I understand very clearly why so many people hate the Patriots. They're exhausting. They're always there at the end of the year. They're boring. You hate Belichick. They cheat. I hear you. 
It's like how I feel about Alabama and the college football level. But I hope Brady moving on allows people outside of New England to appreciate him for the unbelievable quarterback and the man that he is. You haven't liked him because he's associated with the evil empire. It makes perfect sense. I don't necessarily blame you. But please take off the glasses now that he's not in New England and realize you're never going to see anything like what he did with the Patriots again in your lifetime. After 20 years, start appreciating all the accomplishments he's had and is going to have in the rest of his career. It's unfathomable. So shout out to Kurt from March 17th because that's exactly what happened. I had Jets fans reaching out to me like, wow, this man is incredible. Yes, this man is incredible. And he was incredible for the Patriots too. You just didn't want to believe it because it was the Patriots. So I'm so happy for Tom Brady that we're not talking about fucking deflated footballs anymore. We're talking about him going to his 10th Super Bowl in 20 seasons. He's been a starter for 19 seasons. He's going to 10 Super Bowls. That's stupid. That is stupid. He's been – what did it say? He played, he's played in 18% of all Super Bowls ever. Stop it. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and Kurt, again, I, I know that's your closing thought, and just you know, my, my response to that is exactly like you said. I just think that maybe before, as well as hating him for being on the Patriots – there was a lot of people who enjoyed just being like, you know, they would twist the argument so that they would say, oh, yeah, Brady's only good in doing all this stuff because he's coached by Belichick because he's on the Patriots because of blah, blah, blah. Well, now there's officially no doubt. I mean, to go to the Super Bowl with a brand new team, you know, after, you know, at the age of 43 doing what he's done this year, there's no doubt. You cannot doubt Brady. And I, just like you, I'm very happy that now there's not even like an argument you can see. Like, of course, people will joke or troll or hate or whatever, but like, there's no serious or like any legitimate argument anymore about like just how much of the greatest of all time he is, what his legacy is, how incredible he is. Because again, who who has ever done anything close to like this? No one. It's just, it's no Tom one. Brady. And that's that period. Right. That's it. Tom Brady and the discussion. That's it. So yep. I'll be rooting. For Tom Brady, I ordered a piece of Buccaneers gear just because. Um, so I'll be wrapping Tom Brady for the Super Bowl. All you people in New England, take a second and reflect. I know heat of the moment. It might sting to see him win, win with another team. If he wins with the Buccaneers, it will sting. I have no doubt it will sting me. But at the same time, I will not be. I I will be so genuinely happy for Tom Brady. Did you see his little interaction with his son, his older oh, son, yeah. Jack? Yeah, he's just like, hey, can I go see my son? Like, it's just, yeah. He's the most humble guy ever. Like, and oh god, I don't know. I'm gonna get a fucking erection if I keep talking about. Him. Oh god. Like, so, oh god. Yeah. Well, let me cut you off there, Kurt. So that yeah. doesn't happen. Bruno, but, end, uh, the, end the podcast. Take. <laughs> I said all yeah. I need to say. Thank you. Let me vent for 15 minutes. Of course, I. You know, I'm always your chauffeur whenever you need it. So I agree for you. And my last thing before we close out is. It's almost like us Patriots fans are still in the playoffs. Like we're rooting for Tom Brady. Yes, he's not on our team, but like it's still exciting. Where I'm, I was, I was talking to my friends like Kurt. I was like nervous for Tom Brady and the Bucks. Like it almost like it was my team. Like that's yeah, how, that's. I was Brady getting was. angry. Right. So I, it's kind of fun to just keep rooting for Tom and keep that Patriots spirit alive. I'm definitely rooting for him. Patriots fans, like Kurt said, who are still salty or petty or whatever, take these next two weeks, reflect on it. You know, you have some time. Obviously, we are off from the football world next week. Would have been the Pro Bowl. I think they're doing something on Madden. I don't even know what the league is doing in the Pro Bowl. They're doing something stupid. Classic Goodell doing something stupid. But anyways, we won't have pick six this weekend because obviously there's no game. We will have an episode next week. Um, like Kurt said, we, we're not going to reveal all of it, but we'll be doing a little Super Bowl preview. We'll be doing some stuff with drafts. Got a nice few surprises in this. Look forward to that. And then, of course, we'll be doing our final pick six, which is a pick one for all the marbles. Not really, because that Kurt still, I think, has already locked in the victory. But, you know, we'll, we'll see if we uh, match our, 
our picks with our feelings or not. Um, we'll see if we do that for the Super Bowl. So stay tuned for that. But for now, you know, soak it all in. We have one football game left of the season. As much as it sucks to say, at least it's going to be incredible. We got Brady versus Mahomes. So soak it all in. Do some reflecting. Watch, rewatch some highlights of your favorite team. Look at some mock drafts because we all know that's what Kurt's doing. And we will see you next time on Playing the Field. Bye, guys. Oh,